what is going on? The Bills move to three and one. Big 17-point deficit comeback by Josh Allen and the Bills over the Nevermore Baltimore Ravens. And I got my people in the building to talk about. James Mallory, what's up? What's up? What's up, man? Ready to talk some Bills talk. You know what I mean? So we back at it. Sarah Larson, ready to go? What's up? I'm ready to go. All right. Got a lot to talk about. Milano, Edmonds, best duo in the NFL. Josh Allen, fear factor. Khalil Shakur ready to step in, to step out. And uh, OBJ's tweeting again. And what about that boy Jordan Poyer trying to get paid? We got a lot on deck. We'll be right back. As we said in the intro, the Bills overcame a 17-point deficit to come back to beat Lamar Jackson, who was having the MVP season up until that moment to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And what's funny about that is uh, there was a lot of negativity in the Bills Mafia at halftime, rightfully so. But my guy James Mallory right here, and I know you, say right now, I know you were on board with the comeback. You said they were a third-quarter team. My man Mallory said, messaged me on Facebook Messenger, said, I ain't worried. The Bills going to come back and win this game. Not a problem. Not even a thought. James, why were you so confident? I mean – just knowing football, right? And just understand the teams and, and how they structured and, and just the flow of games, right? The flow of that game, how everything was going for Baltimore in that the first two quarters, and the Bills just weren't buried. They didn't bury them. They, I knew they didn't have a chance. Um, I just knew there's not nobody's going to hold this offense one full game without just making plays. It's just not realistic. It's not going to happen, right? Um, so – I just knew, like, the flow of it. I'm like, Bill's making a ton of mistakes. Josh, interception, we got fumbles going on. It was just, it was, it was just all bad for us, right? And then when I'm looking at the score at halftime, well, as we as I told everybody, middle of the second quarter, they thought that was crazy. I'm like, Bill's going to win this game. It's already, it's already a wrap. Um, I already know they're going to they gonna win it. It's going to be a close game, but they're going to win it. Um, so that flow and just how everything was coming, like, any any team like that, right? Hmm. You gotta bury them. If that happens, you gotta bury them in the first half. They should have had 30 points in the first half to really put us to sleep. That's the only way they really would have buried us. And they had every opportunity to score 30 in that first half, and they didn't. And when they didn't capitalize like that, I knew it was in trouble. Sarah. Third yeah. Third quarter team, right? Third quarter team. I wasn't as confident as James. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was there miserable um, with how we played, but I'll be honest. Um, when we scored the touchdown right before half, that is what kind of got me like, okay, we're in a rhythm. Um, the two turnovers, we were beating ourselves. They, I mean, you know, honestly, if you looked at how we were playing, you know, like James said, we should have been put away and, and we weren't And it. So I said, you know, there's an opportunity. If we stop them on the first drive, coming back out, you know, we can get right back into this game. And, uh, you know, again, like I, I had said, we're a third quarter team. We're going to, we're going to come out. We're going to do this. We're going to score. I wasn't as confident though, because of all the mistakes and because of the rain and stuff. But I was excited um, when we came back out and we actually started having some things go our way. The turnovers started coming our way. A couple of the the penalties started coming our way finally 
there could have been a whole heck of a lot more called. Oh, I won't even get into that. But <laughs> I mean, the holding calls were non calls were ridiculous. But we're literally screaming at the field, like holding, holding, holding. But um, I, I felt the momentum shift. And, you know, luckily, um, when you have Josh as the quarterback, it's a lot easier to feel confident about, you know, the comeback. You know, like I said, it's it's coming to a point, right? And we're going to talk about this a little later on the show about when you have that guy, and you just said it perfectly, Sarah. When you have Josh Allen, you just expect this now. Twenty down, twenty to three, they'll come back. Down twenty to ten, they'll come back. He's going to keep chugging away, keep plugging away. But at some point, somehow, some way, seventeen is going to get the job done. And that right there is the epitome of a uh, franchise quarterback. And I know that's one of the topics that we want to talk about now as far as the fear factor because when you go back to that game, one of the calls that we're always going to remember is Jim Harbaugh, I'm sorry, not Jim, John Harbaugh, choosing not to kick the field goal with four minutes left on fourth and goal because of Josh Sepp, because Josh Allen's on the side of that football field. And that's the type of effect that he's having. But overall, I thought that the game was, um, they definitely started off flat, which didn't surprise me. Coming off a, a grueling game like they played against Miami in that weather, you know, you don't just recover from that in, in a couple of days. You don't just wake up from that, especially in that type of heat, cramps, dehydration. Hell, it takes about two to three days just to get hydrated again, let alone go play another game versus a tough team and honestly, not great weather. Yeah. Um, the defense started off a little bit slow. I thought as the game went on, they started sniffing out all of Baltimore's runs. They started sniffing out those RPOs. Those defensive backs are breaking on things, are breaking on passes uh, a lot faster. They got into their groove, and when they got into the groove, it was over for the Ravens. It was shut down city. There was you were getting no rushing yards, you were getting no passing yards, and then they were bracketing Lamar Jackson where he couldn't get the pocket. And this is what the third time we played him, and I say this is probably the third time that we played him extremely well. James, anything on uh, our defensive performance from this football game? Our defense is balling, man. Um, we'll get more into it later in the show. Um, so I don't want to get too far ahead, but they're balling. I think they step up uh, and they make plays. The addition of Von Miller, um, there's no stat sheet in the world could t- or can tell you how valuable he is to this defense and what he brought. He literally changed the whole dynamic of this defense, his presence alone. If he don't get no more sacks the rest of this season, his presence alone has made this defense better, period. His leadership, that veteran leadership you talk about, the work ethic, you can just tell. Rousseau is a different dude. He's a different cat. Um, so our defense stepped up. But on the Baltimore end, uh, they got to get Lamar Jackson some more help, period. They got to get him some more help on offense. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. They ain't going to be getting him a whole lot of help with that contract they about to pay him because they ain't, he ain't going to leave nothing left. I can tell you that right now because him and his mama, and no no disrespect to him, they are taking no shorts. I don't blame him. No help, he shouldn't. No. Well, I mean, with no help, you ain't going to get any help either. You're going to be like Russell Wilson in Seattle. But, hey, to each his own, we got our guy locked up for about $40 million, probably about $10 million to $15 million cheaper than what he should be. I'll take it. Sarah, defense, Buffalo, yeah. what do you think? Well, first I'm going to say, I don't think Baltimore made the wrong decision on going for it. I think that when you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback and it's fourth and two, you you go for it. I was surprised they passed. I, I honestly was. I figured that they were going to do, you know, some type of play action or, you know, ha- keep the ball in his hands. I was surprised that they passed. I was thankful that they passed. 
But um, our defense, the second half, and I think I um, tweeted out the other day, you know, our defense has been crazy in the second half. We've allowed seven points, and that was against Miami, all second half, all year. Every other game, it's been zero points. So, you know, it's a testament to what these guys are doing. And we're not even healthy yet. So (laughs) I can't wait until we get healthy. But you guys, you know, we have people coming in you know, like Brian and, you know, freaking Amelie, you know, people who are, you know, these depth players that are like going off and being, you know, acting like they could be starting on other teams. So it, it just goes to show, I think again, like, you know, James was saying, it's kind of a Von Miller effect. He doesn't need to have it in the stat sheets. He's on the field. And when he's on the field, everyone else wants to step up. You know, it's funny because I believe OBJ tweeted during this game. I don't know if it was this game or last game that Von Miller is really goaded on the field and off the field. Now, I was telling James earlier this week, we all know about his accolades on the football field Mm -hmm. and how good of a pass rusher he is. And honestly, when he finished the game, he may be the greatest pass rusher to ever play it. Let's be honest with you. I mean, I don't think he'll get to the sack records because we do know there was a couple years missed in the middle of his career there, you know, with injuries and that such. But – the dude is simply unstoppable. There's not a point in time in Von Miller's career where we said he was stopped. The year we said he was slowing down, he had like 11 sacks. Which for Buffalo, we ain't, we haven't seen 11 sacks since the original cold front. <laughs> okay? So, you know, we may have 11 sacks in the season possibly, you know? But... Um, I think we'll have two players with more than... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're, we're, Greg Rousseau's at, what, four and a half now? Four. Well, yeah. it depends on where you look. If you look at certain stats, have them at four. Some have them at four and a half because they gave him a full sack on on Sunday. Wait, we we gonna give him the full. We gonna give him the full on here. <laughs> a little bias, but no. I mean, the effect of Von Miller is real, and it's not like I said. We talked. We talked about this last week. The effect on not only just Rousseau, but Boogie Basham and Apinesa. It's the confidence level that he's bringing to this defense to say, hey, Bonds on the other side, we're good. No Micah Hyde, we're good. We talked about this last week. You can't replace Micah Hyde with any safety in this league just about. There's very few safeties in this league you can replace him with. And those ones you can, we won't be able to get our hands on, not today or not tomorrow. But you replace them with the pass rush. And that's exactly what I think we're doing. Either way, man, I mean, I thought the defense played great. Great performance by Tremaine Edmonds. He's making it difficult. He's looking He's looking to get paid. You had a first-round pick on the field, across the field from Patrick Queen, that the Ravens fans pretty much dogged after that game. So once again, Bills Mafia, be a little bit thankful for having Tremaine Edmonds. He's not as bad as people have said he's over the years. He's not bad at all, in my opinion. He never was. No. Nope. Because what people do, and I said it multiple times on this show, what people do is they look at his, his measurables. You look at him as six foot four, six foot five, 260 pounds and runs a four, five, four, four. And they think he's supposed to be the best linebacker to ever play football. They have these expectations like they play in Madden. And they think he's just supposed to fly around, run everybody over, make every single tackle. It's unrealistic. Come step into reality, leave the video games and fantasy football alone. He's a very good NFL linebacker. He's never going to be amazing, right? He's never going to be. Just that elite, that guy, right, where you like mm. best linebacker in the league. But he's going to consistently be a pro bowl linebacker. He's going to make eight to ten pro bowls in his career. 
yeah. He's already got what? What does he have technically right now? Two? Is he at two? Technically. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to more Pro Bowl, but I mean, he have a couple of flag football games since they cut it out now. Yeah. Sarah, do you think that, and, and we're going to, this brings us right to our topic, you know, because I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Dan Rovlowski said the other day he felt like Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano were the NFL's best linebacking duo. Do you think Tremaine gets not enough credit for how good he is, and do you think Milano gets too much credit, or should we really start looking at these guys as a pair in a duo? I, and I think it's kind of goes hand in hand with how we looked at, you know, Hyde and Poyer. Um, they're both great separately, but together, you know, they mm. can be considered the best safety duo. Um, and I think it's the same thing with um, with the way Edmonds and Milano has been playing. I think that, you know, before this year, yeah, they're both good separately, but the way they're playing together. But I think it's all as a team right now. I, you know. I know I've seen a couple of the comments come up about the defensive tackle play and everything. That's exactly where I think it, where it's, it, it is. And then you have, you know, Russo and you have Von Miller on the ends killing it, you know, and like I said, you have these depth players coming in and still, you know, doing everything that they need to do in the middle, which is, you know, helping out Milano and Edmonds. I, I know someone tweeted out and I don't know who it was. So I, I feel bad not giving him credit but they kind of broke down how Bryant at the end of the game in the fourth quarter at the the last stop, he absorbed three tackles at the same time as he's doing that. Edmonds is plugging up the middle and then Milano's literally off the, completely off the play and he goes around the side and he's making the tackle for, you know, for uh, basically for a loss, you know, and that was huge. It was literally the, the reason why we won the game. You, and you, this is Bryant, who, like, is, you know, one of our depth players who's taking on three defenders in order to do it. So I think that it's kind of a combination of everybody's, you know, playing their role. Um, but now, because everyone is playing their role and we have the right people, in my opinion, in the middle, it's it's opening it up for, for Edmonds and Milano to be the best. And I, you know, I, I know there's a little bit of topic of whether or not it's the guys out in, in Dallas, you know, um, but I think that these guys can can overtake that by the end of the year. Biggest thing about the boys in Dallas is they we haven't seen them perform when it was the pressure was online, and, and nothing against them. I mean, them boys in Dallas they they play some they play some football. And don't be wrong, the other part of it is they don't have number seventeen at quarterback. They got number four, and I'm not you know I like Dak, but he's well, not exactly right now. They got Cooper Rush, so. right? He ain't exactly seventeen. <laughs> Well, no, you know, I, I don't think these guys get enough credit. You figure in the, since 2020 and 2022, these guys have combined for 411 tackles, 278 solo tackles, 35 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, 21 QB hits, two interceptions, two force fumbles. Okay, that's not chump change. Both of these guys play a role. And as you said, Sarah, you can't have one without the other. We've seen that. We've seen games where we had Edmonds without Milano, he doesn't actually look right without Milano. And we've seen times where we had Milano without Edmonds. He doesn't literally look like without he doesn't look right without Edmonds. They are a pair and they play off each other. And they work very well. They work very well with um with each other. I I don't say I don't think they're the best duo in the league because I'm still gonna give that title to Levante David and Devin White over there in Tampa for as much as they do. Because them two boys over there, they they rush the passer. They can cover man-to-man. They can cover zone. They cause a lot of havoc. But I'm not going to put Edmonds and Milano that far behind them. 
and I really have to go through both all duos in the league to find a pair that will come in second place over these two. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love him. I mean, I think Dan Orlowski is on to something with this. But at the end of the day, when it comes to this, Milano has his contract, right? Yep. Edmonds and James, you've been saying it all along. Edmonds is going to cost a bag they should have at been the end paid. of the season. They should have paid him. I, I hate to keep saying the JT, we got receipts. <laughs> Just like when I said with Josh Allen, pay him. Just get it over with, pay him. Figure it out. <laughs> they should have been did it. They should have paid yeah. him. They should have paid him last year. Now that price has gone up three to five million dollars easy. Yeah. And every and we week Oliver too. Yep. It's gonna go up more and more and more every week. It's gonna go up. And then Ed Oliver's coming up too. They should have been paid that dude, man. Sarah, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Right now, with the way Tremaine, Wayne Tremaine, the way Tremaine Edmonds is playing currently, if you had to give an extension at this very moment to Ed Oliver or Tremaine Edmonds, which one would you give it to? Right now, right Edmonds. Now. Right now, Edmonds, because I feel like we have enough depth at at uh, D tackle that we would be fine. And he kind of, you know, he's the play caller on defense right now. So. I, you know, I, I personally think it's harder to, to teach all that over again. So I would, I would give it to Edmonds, but I think that the question is going to become three people. It's going to be between Edmonds, Poyer and, and Oliver. And what two can we potentially figure out how to extend? You know, and that's a good question because that leads us right into a uh, good point. I'm not question. It leads us to our next topic. That guy, Jordan Poyer, number 21. Who just seems to be getting better and better and better <laughs> every time we see him. And with every tweet from Bill's Mafia it says, Oh, let him go. Oh, we don't want him. Oh, we can find better. Oh, guess what? Mike Hyde went down and you were scared. You know what, Liz? Because Jordan was out and now you didn't know what to do without both of them. Well, Jordan is playing probably the best ball of his career right now, and he's going to earn every penny of that contract that he's almost forcing, in my opinion, Brandon Bean to write the check. So far this season for uh, Jordan Poyer, 12 tackles, three interceptions, a tackle for loss. He's absolutely crushing it. I think and he has four interceptions. Huh? Four, four interceptions. Is that four? I yes. think he's at four. He had two last game and then uh, two previous, and then the game he missed. Then it's four. Then it's four. Don't quote me, but I think it's four. I think it's four. No, you're right. It is four. And let's not forget the six pass deflections he also has this year. Okay. So now, now Brandon Bean is on the spot. It's a guy. He had a mini holdout for mini camp. He comes back. He still put the C on him, on his jersey, which means he's still doing his job. He's still coming up his business as usual. He wants to get paid. He locks in. He has four interceptions to your first four games. The dude's on pace for double-digit interceptions, and now he's also switched positions. He's playing a little bit of free. He's playing a little strong. And we don't know if Micah High is ever going to suit up in the, in the Bills uniform again, or any uniform, for that matter of fact, with that neck injury. How much pressure is on Brandon Bean to possibly get a short-term two-year extension done 
with Jordan Poirier. Sarah, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the pressure has been on. I feel like he knows he needs to get it done. I think he was hoping that, you know, he could kind of figure out a, a lower price tag, but the way he's playing, uh, and I think that he has every motivation in the world to continue to play the way he, you know, has been. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Pat McAfee gave him another, you know, uh, <laughs> challenge that if he if he got, I think it was, you know, 12 or 13, um, that he would donate a million dollars. But I mean, I honestly think that he um, is one of the the people on the, the defense that we can't lose. I think that we need to um, to get him. I'm hoping we can do like a three year, like 41 ish is what I tweeted okay. um, towards the beginning of the year. But, you know, price tags probably going up a little bit. Um, but I don't think 13 to 14 million a year is, is out of the, you know, out of the range of what he's, what he's worth. And I don't even think he actually, you know, I think he, he threatened to sit out of, you know, of camp. And then he ended up going there and, he still ended up suiting up and, and, you know, practicing with all the guys. So I, I love his work, you know, his work ethic and the way he is. And I mean, like I said, I, I honestly think that he's, I would right now, if I had to choose two of the three, I would say Poyer and, and Edmonds are the two that I'd be extending. And that's no diss on Oliver. I love Oliver, but um, I just feel like he's a little bit more replaceable right now. We have a lot of depth to that defense line. It makes a lot of sense. Mallory, Oliver, or Edmonds, man. I, I know you. I know opponent get them both paid. I mean, uh, and would and would you would you sneak Poyer in there? I think it's possible to do all three. Really? Okay. Um, it'd be very difficult, mm. but I think Micah High is going to retire. Unfortunately, mm. if he re- retires, that's going to free up some money. That's six million he frees up technically. Yeah. So you free up that six million and you pay and you put another six with uh with that, just say just say twelve, make it easy math. You pay pour your twelve for two two just say two years. Just throw it out there. Mm-hmm. Edmonds, I think, is a no brainer. I've been saying it for the last three seasons. You can't name ten middle linebackers as better than him. You don't just let guys like that walk out the door. Um and why I think, I think you can extend Oliver, but I, I think it's up in the air now. Why, Tim Suttle? Sure. Tim Suttle, and then Jordan Phillips. If you can continue to sign him on low, low market deals, if you got those two, and you can draft a couple guys. Unfortunately, Ed Oliver, you can you can, you can play this season, the next season with him on his contracts. And then he's going to, going to probably walk in that situation because Ed Oliver is going to get a hundred million dollar contract. Somebody mm-hmm. will pay him a hundred million dollars. I just don't think the Bills will do it. So you got Tim. You you can sign Tim Suttle. He's a, he got a two year deal. So him and Ed Oliver is going to be up at the same time. Mm-hmm. You could probably sign him for five to seven million dollars. Three year deal, right? Um, Jordan Phillips can be a rotational guy for you. You know he a lot of energy he brings. Uh, Daquan Jones, he he's up in two years as well, and then you they're going to draft the guy next year, one hundred percent. They're going to draft the guy first three rounds. They're going to draft a D tackle, and I mean, you just you just probably won't pay him. I mean, it's not that they won't want to; it just won't really be a a reason to pay him a hundred million dollars. So, 
that's how I kind of look at it. So I think, you know, you're going to extend Poyer. You're going to draft first round. First and second round is going to be a safety. Um, and then you're going to roll like that. If I'm not mistaken, I think I think I posted Twitter and it was a while back. So I'll have to go try to fact check myself. But I think I said I wanted a uh, three-year extension for Poyer. And I think at around, it was like, it was like 12 million, like 30, about three-year extension, maybe about 34 million, 32 million, something like that. With maybe like 18 or 20 guaranteed. I thought that was I thought that was a more a fair number, um, and I, I tell you the truth I don't even think the number for Poirier is at this point I don't think that this little tiff or riff I don't think it had to do anything to do with the dollar amount so much I think it more or less had to do with hey this is my last contract probably my last long term I'm trying to get this thing locked in for the next three years mm-hmm. I think it was more or less that than it was hey I want to be the highest paid safety in the league I want to be fifteen because I don't think I don't think Poirier he doesn't have that type of attitude. Yeah. Like I said, this, this is a guy who really, when you really think about it, even though he accepted that badass contract that the Bills gave him, and we yeah. can all say or admit that was a bad deal he took. He took it, but it was his fault. He had the right to sit out camp. He had the right to sit out training camp. He had the right to not, to not show up to week one of the season where, like T.J. Watts and some of these other players did, because he's played at that all-pro level. The fact that the guy loves football this much, he chose not to. Yep. He's still going to be a leader by example. And I don't think we get enough credit, give him enough credit for that. He ain't saying nothing. He's letting his play do the talking. And he just saved your ass versus Baltimore. Because Duvernay was wide open in the back of that end zone. If he catches that ball... We may be talking about a different story today. We may be talking about why the Bills are two and two, and how do we rebound versus the Steelers? Panic and that, I'm fast. Yeah, and, and that would not be a very good conversation for any of us to have. So, like I said, Jordan Porter does a lot of credit, and I think with the the Micah Hyde situation up, I think Bean needs to get that deal done sooner than later. If I was him, um, like you said, just price tags can go up and up because if you let a guy like that hit the market, a guy who's been all pro. A guy who played is playing at the best level of his career, but also a guy who brings culture. There's going to be teams ready to sweep him up, especially teams right in your division. Yep. The Jets, Miami, or the or the Patriots, a jump right in there for Jordan Poyer. Oh yeah. So, you better you better tread lightly with lightly with that one. Sure, very lightly. But uh, no man, shout out to All Pro Poe as my man Jay Spencer call him, and uh, yeah. So yeah. moving on to. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a, he's just a baller, man. As I saw him one day, he he's a baller, man. I I, I really like Jordan Poirier game and what he bring. He bring that dog, and I think that's very important. But uh, you know, Hamlin was balling too. Oh, shout out to Hamlin! Yeah, Demar Hamlin played, but Demar I like Hamlin I like what well. he brought to the game on Saturday or Sunday. Excuse me. I think season go on. Yeah, they may have one. Sarah, anything? Be real quick. What you got? You got anything on Demar? What you think about it? No, I mean, I think Hamlin and, and Johnson are both stepping up at certain times. Mm-hmm. I think that they both have misses. Um, and if you, you know, I rewatched the game the other day and I, I, you know, saw a couple of the misses and, and whatnot, but um, I think that rotationally, you know, them both coming in, I think we're, we're going to do fine. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little proponent where I'm watching the Raiders very closely. Because even though I like the way Hamlin is playing, to me, this is almost an all-or-nothing year. 
You need to go sign Odell Beckham more than more than normal at this point in time with, with Isaiah McKenzie sustaining a concussion and Jamison Crowder breaking his ankle. He's not ready. No, no, that's fine. No, we can wait. I'm not I'm not saying it right now. I'm just saying that, hey, we need to be on the phone with him. Hey, where are you at? When he can run, he needs to be running at one Bills drive getting ready when he, when it, that time comes, when he's ready to go that route. But I'm looking at the Raiders very closely because – I still would like I have a veteran in that safety court going into the playoffs. And there's one name that I keep looking at. And that's Jonathan Abram. He's on a, he has one year left on his deal in, in, in Vegas. I think it's about three or four million left on it. That's and it. I'm look, hmm? That's all three or four million? No, that's all he got left. Yeah, he got wow. about four million left on that deal. Okay. And I'm I'm just looking for a rental guy who's a veteran, who's up in the box, and a in a in a veteran that's up in the box who cause when we get to the playoffs, we may have to play teams like Cleveland if Deshaun Watson come back and they can sustain it. We If the Colts rebound, which they probably won't, we may have to play them. The Denver rebound, I mean, they don't have Javante Williams. We may have to play them. We may have to play some running teams, and I like to have a guy who's more of a thumper that could play up in the box since we don't have the combination of Poirier and Hyde for the rest of the season. And Jonathan Abram was a guy that I'm really keen in on because I'm like, if Vegas keeps struggling, that's probably a guy we could pick off them for about a fifth-round pick. And I rent them. I, I I gladly take that. Then you'll still have Hamlin and Johnson and Poyer. So that's just a guy that I, you know, that I'm yeah. looking at there. Well, they, they go, they're going to make a move at safety. They're going to make a move. It's only three safeties on the roster. Right. It's 100% fact they're going to make a move at safety. When? We don't know, but they are going to make a move at safety. We just don't know when. Yeah. Well, that's the guy, that's the guy that I'm targeting. Now, past this year, and I've been saying this, and I want you guys' opinion on this, right? I'm looking at this secondary, and James, we talk about this every day, it seems like, right? And I keep going over it. And I've seen the stupid post on Twitter saying, what if the Bills trade Trey White, which I think is absolute asinine, and I'm not even going to entertain it. I shouldn't even mention it, but I did. And I keep looking at Elam, and I'm looking at Benford, and I'm looking at Trey White. And I'm not saying, hey, we have too many corners. I'm looking at the realm of possibility of what we could do with our secondary. And what I'm saying is, I would like to move Teron Johnson to strong safety next year. I think that position would suit him better. I think that he's an up-in-the-box cornerback that his best attribute is attacking the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and stopping run plays. Now, coverage... Especially man that slot. Listen, man, Teron's my guy, but he get a little bit shaky in man coverage. Like every time I look around, you know, there's a gap in there <laughs> between him and the receiver. But I think similar to Aaron Williams, if you put him at safety and you put everything in front of him, this dude may be a pro bowler at that position because he reads things and reacts extremely well. Just a thought there. And I'd put Trey White, depending on the matchup, in the nickel. If we're playing some team like the Patriots or something like that, where that matchup is most likely going to be in the slot, the key guy, I'm man and Trey up in the slot now. And I'm going to keep put the two bigger guys, athletic guys, Elam and Bedford, on the outsides. Just I'm, my thought I'm, on that. I'm trusting. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I like Trey on that outside. If you mm-hmm. were to do something like that, I'm trusting Bedford or Elam in the slot. Elam is very, very physical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's one of them guys that may be able to play in the slot. Or ben- Benford, I think, is going to be a st- – I think he's going to be a star. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be a star. Uh, I really do. 
Uh, I think both. I think we hit the jackpot with both of those this year. But you know, I mean, that's that's interesting. That's a great thing we got going on here. We got three really really good corners, and we cannot forget about Dane, the man can ball. Dane, he may honestly he may be trade based. Somebody will give you a fourth fifth round pick for him. He's a starting quarterback of the league, Sarah. 100%. Yeah, no, I was going to say that um, during the summer, they had actually, um, they were kind of cross-training Benford um, as well as safety. So um, I know that that's an option as well. You know, I, I think there's no no way to go wrong here. We have like, just, you know, we were all worried about our secondary. And now I feel like we almost have too many um, stars out there. But I think it's all a combination. And I am i can't wait till Trey comes back. Um and then we have Rhodes now as well. That is, that's going to be stepping in, and and we could see where he, you know, where he's at. So um, I don't doubt that there is going to be, you know, potential trades um, out there, which sucks because I hate mid-season trades when you know when you have a you know a favorite on a team. Um, but it's all about getting who we need to get, especially like you said, it's this year. It, you know, I feel like it's a boomer bust year if you know i've always you know i've said it at the beginning even before the season started i feel like it's super bowl or bust this year if, you know so you got to get the people we you know that you need oh it's definitely super bowl or bust it's probably super bowl or bust for like the next three years now you know and you know i you know i want to go back to a point and i just thought about something another reason i think that i would take Edmonds' extension over oliver boogie basham because when you really think about it ed oliver was drafted with pressure on the quarterback now, mind you, he's solid. He's he's solid in the run game, but you have a little bit better run game when you have Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle, which I'm agreeing with you, Dare James. It's a little bit more beef there, but on third downs, if you're putting Boogie Basham inside, or even we've seen Rosu inside, you can afford to let Ed Oliver go at that point in time if you're going to be doing that type of NASCAR formation. So, just want to go back and touch on that point. I, I think that that's something that we should probably look at. Um, Rousseau gonna be coming up sooner. We think too. Oh, they better do Rousseau sooner. They better do Rousseau by the by next season, or it's gonna cost you a whole lot of money. I think Rousseau's gonna line up with Von Miller because I yeah, think it, does, it, does. it lines up perfect. It's exactly how it's lined up. So you might well just put that money to the side because he's gonna take that hundred and twenty next. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the other things I, I wanted to get to tonight before we uh, get off here. Actually, you know what? It's actually time for uh, Sarah. You haven't been on the show yet when we've done actually uh, bad, takes. bad takes. You have not been on the show yet for that. I guess I have not. No. All right. So, as everybody knows, we love to do this thing we call bad takes. And this week, your Bills bad takes were from halftime of the Bills game. And if you guys are familiar with this, we find the worst takes and we put them out there. So bad take number one, week was week four Buffalo. Yeah, week four Buffalo Bills. First one, you. Yeah, I think it's you guys. I don't know. Y'all playing like Prairie Patties. Shake off that craptastic Miami loss already and get back to your business. Your betterness. Let's go Buffalo. Now obviously. Most people, I, I have never heard the word craptastic, but I will forever keep that in my dictionary. Bad take number two of the week. Our coaching staff has no clue 
about situational football, and they do not prepare our players correctly for these games. Now, mind you, we've only played an AFC Championship game the year before last year, lost in 13 seconds to the AFC Divisional team, and we've pretty much won the AFCs the last two years, and we're probably going back. But we are never prepared by Sean McDermott. So just remember that, guys. Sean McDermott, ladies and gentlemen, please get us prepared because this person said you don't do it. Even though we're Super Bowl favorites, but hey, it is what it is. Bad take number three was just simple. Halftime of the game, the team should just head back to Buffalo. Get on the plane. Go back. It's over. They've lost. Got, got good riddance, Buffalo. I'm not a fan anymore, probably. Bad take number four. And final bad take, James. Drum roll, please. I'm a Miami fan, but rooting for the Bills division partners. The Bills fan responds, that doesn't make any sense. I was very happy when you lost on Thursday with the smiley face emoji. Why you gotta be so damn mean? Salty, I like it. Why you gotta be mean? I like it. I'm petty. (laughs) (laughs) But that is your bad takes for the week. But I tell you what, you know, Sarah... It was, you went viral this week. Yeah. God, thank you. Yes. (laughs) You went viral this week. I need you, I need full explanation of what was going on in this picture. Well, you are not posting the picture. I hate you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know. Thank you very much. Um, What was going on in this picture? Um, You can take it down now. Thank you. Okay. Um, well, there's there was a row of Bills fans. We were okay. it wasn't just me in in uh, Jay Spence. It was you know stuff. There was uh, uh, Dan, Freddie, Lee, Sean. We're all in a row together. Okay. Two more people at the end. We were just kind of in shock. It was at a point where I think I think it was um, twenty to three at that point. Okay. It, you know, like we it, the rain was coming down a little bit harder. I was freezing, but regardless. Um, LeSean's sitting there screaming at the sideline. <laughs> He's telling us to get people out of the game. We were like, we were in shock at that moment. We were not expecting to, you know, have two turnovers. I mean, like we literally won the coin toss and chose to receive the ball because we were that cocky. Like we had eight games straight that we scored, you know, first with, you know, it's, you feel yourself and then you get out there in the free first drive, there's a turnover. Then the next time you get the ball, another turnover. We were, it was just like shock. I think in that moment. Um, and I was, I was cold. I don't care what anybody says. The rain wasn't that bad, but I was cold. I did not prepare enough for that coldness. So I was just miserable. And, you know, again, the second that picture, you know, or the video went up, my phone's blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna do a Cindy. I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> just head over to my Facebook, you'll see it. I posted it on there. 
I see it. I said, I said, wow. I mean, this, but to get the focus on CBS, that's great, though. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. That's that's really. It's really. I cool. had a great seat, though. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. I was, you know, forty. You had great high. seats all year. You've been damn well, near on the bench. You could got a couple cup of water and Gatorade. The <laughs> like, like yeah, but this was like front row, forty yard line. It was, it was amazing seats. And I actually, I, I you know, side sidetrack, but mm-hmm. I love that stadium. Was it's it nice? Pretty, Baltimore is a pretty dope stadium, so. Okay. How was the food out there? I I mean, I didn't really eat much, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, I drank a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother story, but... <laughs> well, in, Bill, in Bill's Mafia, we tend to do so. That's okay. <laughs> it, it's accepted. It comes with the territory. Yeah. But no, um, no, that was great, though. It, it was good to... Uh, like I said, it, that's pretty cool, though, regardless of if it's the picture you want. If that's pretty freaking cool, let's be honest. So, uh, I hope you get on. I hope you get on more cameras. Time. I hope you get. I hope you get on camera when they win the Super Bowl and host the trophy. Trophy. I'm shoot. I hope I can afford to go to the Super Bowl so I can uh, yeah, watch yeah, yeah, that trophy. Yeah, we we all sweep. They go there. We all swiping cards. Yeah. We're calling calling <laughs> bankers, creditors. We swiping. Three credit cards. <laughs> A little bit on here, a little bit on here. That's it. A little bit here, a little bit there. Bills Mafia, if you think they're going to go to the Super Bowl, start saving up now. Yeah. You got about, what, 20 weeks right now? Start saving up now. Something like that. Start saving up now. Just saying. Start a a vacation fund. But no, um, guys, we want to take a couple of uh, fan questions. So if you got a couple questions, go ahead and before we get to our final takes and drop them in. Um, let's see here. We had a couple questions here that I want to answer. Let's see. I know Cody Wells had one. Cody always asks good questions every week. But Cody Wells says, okay, for that price, could the trade deadline move Jonathan Abram? Uh, I, I, I think if the Raiders continue to fall off, I think either him or Deron Harmon. We can't forget that Deron Harmon's over in Raiders, Raider, in Raiders too with one-year deal. I think either one of those guys could be had for like a six-round pick. Especially one-year deals. Like, they're not – neither one of those guys are just absolutely outstanding. Harmon's more of a veteran that can play free safety. That would allow Jordan Poirier to move back to the strong safety position. But if you brought Abram in, that gives you someone completely just going to help your run game 110%. So that, that's for that's a move for me. Matter of fact, is there any moves that you guys think that uh, that you would like to see, see the team move, make? James, is there anybody that you see or you, Sarah, after James? Not right now, to be honest with you. Um, one person I could see them in a surprise move if they really wanted a person is AJ. AJ Epinesa. You think trading them, trading them away? I could see them trading him away if it's somebody they really want on another team. Oh, for I player could, for player. Yeah, I could see him being trade bait, mm-hmm. uh, especially how well Shaq Lawson's playing. I, I could see them maybe trading him because eventually. You won't be able to pay him and Boogie Basham. He's probably going to be the, the odd man out when the, the contract. They're not going to resign him. Okay. Um, Sarah. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jen. No, no, just saying that's, that's mine. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking I'm looking down the line. I I feel like, you know, we're going to definitely need a wide receiver eventually, yeah. um, especially if the, the injuries keep on happening. Um, you know, I'm definitely a fan of, of Odell uh, and bringing him on, but – I hate that everyone's talking about it now. I hate it. Like I'm like, guys, he's not even gonna be ready till probably December. So it's just like, stop talking about it now. Um, but I'm I'm actually excited to see some of our guys that we have step up. You know, I I want to. You know, I would like to even see like Hodgins come up, um, be you know called up this week and see if he can actually you know get any game time. 
Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think that um, Isaiah should probably clear question uh, protocols, though. So, you know, you just brought me on a point. We didn't talk about clear Shakir. What do you think? What are you expecting from him stepping in for these injuries? Yeah, I got a little nervous that um, he was, you know, inactive the first game. The second game, he, um, I believe he had two targets, but he didn't catch anything. It, you know, granted it was, um, you know, fourth quarter and it, you know, it wasn't, um, I don't believe it was Allen that was quarterback at the time. Um, but I think, you know, he stepped up and he, he made both, both catches this week. Uh, so I think that it was probably a good thing that um, he was able to, uh to make those catches. I think that it probably got him out of his own head. I read something the other day, um, an interview right after the game that he said he was literally thinking of everything. He was all in his head. He was talking about his cleats and whether or not he should wear his gloves. And then he was just like, screw it, go out and play the game, get out of your own freaking head and made two clutch catches. So I think that, you know, those two, I think, you know, I mean, they literally help secure the game. So I think that having those two two receptions will probably lead him into feeling more confident because um, I think he's going to be used a lot more this week. Yeah. As uh, we have some interaction in the chat here, I guess Leroy Muddog Winslow says he's going to have his wife make an OnlyFans page and have his wife sell foot videos to get that Super Bowl <laughs> ticket money up. And uh, Cindy mm-hmm. tells him, Let's talk talk to our Lex Rex Ryan about yeah. that. I guess get some advice on that. <laughs> you never you never know what the hell they gonna say oh, here. Man. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the whole feet pick thing for money for for the Super Bowl. It's you an option. You missed last year. We we're playing matchmaker on here for a couple weeks last year. Oh, it, was, it was crazy. It was insane. Uh, let's see. Get to another question here. Um, Joshua Torres says, "Please, please, please, let me know if Moss is a waste of time and why we think he's gonna smash through the line like JT." Now, James, this is more of a topic for you. You're a running back of the crew. Obviously, I am not. So, I mean, you, you can elaborate on the Zach Moss thing. And like I, I like I said, I'll talk about it a little bit from what I'm, my thinking is. But you go ahead. Zach Moss frustrates me mm-hmm. because he's so talented. He can be a really, really, really good football player. Mm-hmm. Whatever reason, it's just not clicking. Um, he has moments, um, but it's just this is one of the most frustrating things to me, especially being a running back, dude. You, dude, chiseled up. He can move. He has good feet. He can catch. He can block. It's like, dude, you got you got it. Like, let's get this thing going here. Um, and it's very frustrating because you know of, of all those things, but. Uh, Devin Singletary is definitely the, the, the best back on the team. And hmm. let's get to the point now. I want to see what Duke Johnson got. I'm getting so frustrated with Zach Moss. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking at some point in time, he's going to be a surprise and active. So just be prepared for that within the next couple of weeks, few weeks. Hmm. Zach Moss may be a surprise and active. And Duke, boy, Duke Johnson may get a call up, call up. Yeah. So my thing is this. I, I just think that in the system, in the platoon that we run at running back, right? I think he's one of those backs. I think he's a, a volume back. That's what I tend to feel. Like, there's certain backs, and I, I feel like those backs who can come in and spell your starter with five, maybe six touches and actually have five, six product, productive touches, I think those type of guys are special. Like Naeem Hines, 
like the like the Duke Johnsons over their careers. It's almost like having a six man in basketball. You could come off the bench cold and you could score twenty. Yeah, I get it. I, but the, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Jason. I mean, no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. But the thing is about that, I get that volume. Uh, Devin Singletary's that he get better right. with more carries. Right. But the thing is this. The misses and the, the miscues that he's having in the carries he got, that's unacceptable. Rhythm doesn't fix that. That's just bad. It's just bad. It's just bad. This is bad football, right? Be just missing cuts and missing certain seams. No matter that's not rhythm. That's just bad. Mm. You know what I mean? Them them type of guys usually get like a rhythm guy is a guy where you give them the ball, they're still productive, carry one through eight. But once they really get in the rhythm, they really get flowing carries nine through fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. But their that one through eight isn't just not productive. His one through eight is just not productive. Yeah. Outside of that forty three yard run he had this year, it's just not productive. It's just it's not good football. And, you know you can't miss reads. You know you can't you can't miss certain certain things. You got to capitalize. That's just bad football. Well, let me ask this question: How far do we go back to the the lack of volume? Cause me to read. I mean, because if I look at it like this, right? If you know you're going to get four carries in a game, and that's what we're saying he's getting, it's four carries in a game. Mm-hmm. On one end of the spectrum, you say, hey, I'm going to make the most out of these four carries to try to get myself to six or eight. But on the other hand, I want to say, with the four carries I get, how much pressure is it on me to perform in these four carries? Because, hey, maybe I'm thinking about being put inactive. Maybe I'm thinking about getting traded. Maybe I'm thinking about a lot of this. Because now I'm looking at this running game as a whole, and we're sliding right back into the goddamn hole that we were in the last couple of years with our running game, including Devin, where even when Devin is giving you 48 yards on eight carries, we're not running with him. My thing is this. I'm sorry. From what you were saying in regards to um, things in his head and, you know, what that could be, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you're saying, like, it could be with those mm-hmm. four carries, you think about, okay, I need to do this. I might be inactive. You, you can't be a professional athlete now. You can't mm. be that simple because mm. professional football is the most stressful job in the world. The NFL, you can literally be cut tomorrow with no nothing. What other sport or what other job you can just be let go tomorrow just because, mm. right? NBA, those guarantee contracts. They're not just going to let – it's going to be a reason, right? So you got to have really thick skin and you got to be strong up here. So if that's the case, you're just not that guy then. If you are thinking that way and it's affecting your performance, you're not that guy. Is that something? Makes sense. Sarah? Yeah, no, my concern is I don't think Cook looks any better either. So I feel like we have, you know, two potentially great players that could step up and they're just not. And I think think other than the first game where, you know, Cook – towards the end of the game was just given the ball. And now I don't even think it was the first game. I think it was the second game against Tennessee. The whole fourth quarter was cook, 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 cook. Other than that, I, it's, it's, it really has been all Singletary. So I'm almost like stop bringing the other guys in unless it's, you know, a change of pace and just keep on feeding Singletary. It, it frustrates me to take him out and, and, you know, uh, when the other guys just aren't rolling and, you know, Cook doesn't look ready. He looks nervous every time he goes out there. Like he's, you know, and then, you know, it's unfortunate, but some of his body language just frustrates the, the heck out of me because, you know, he'll miss a catch and then he'll look at his hands and be like, you know, like 
or want to blame somebody else or when he fumbled he was like you know i was down it, it's not it's not productive i feel like he needs you know he needs maybe a little bit of a dose of reality or we need to inactivate one of them whether it's moss or cook and let the you know let there just be the two and go back and forth between the two and if we need you know some type of you know change you have you know jillium you know out there or something i don't know but i don't think it's working with all three my i'm sorry i'm, I'm really good go ahead now you get a guy but oh. you understand what type of what type of back uh james cook is he's not he's never going to be a back that you can just hand the ball to if you if we look at what he he's not his brother not saying sarah you saying he is his right. brother but he's always going to be that he's reggie bush his rookie year at in new orleans that's yeah. who he is that's who exactly who he is and you see when Reggie Bush had one or two productive years as an actual running back. He's never going to be that. He's always going to be that other. He's always going to be – He's when last year when I was asking for the Bills to draft a weapon, that's what I was talking about. Him, he's a weapon. He's not a running back. He's not a slot. He's a weapon. You can line him up in a slot. You can line him up at running back, and he's going to be a weapon. Now, we as fans are expecting him to get 10, 15 carries on the line, be our main back. We're going to be disappointed because that's never going to be him. I, I never – Oh, go ahead. I was saying, never, I, go ahead. No, you guys here. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I never looked at him as like a your normal running back though. I've always looked at him as he's going to be the guy, kind of you know what JD McKenzie was supposed to be. He's going to be the guy coming out of the backfield to catch the short passes. Yeah. He's just not catching them. The screens, you know, the screens and everything else. He's just not. He's not being effective, and it's it, it's hurting us at the wrong times. So. I, I so I, I got this feeling right here, right? I, I got this feeling that the Bills want Zach Moss to take off for the simple fact is they don't want to re-sign Devin Singletary this year to a deal because that complicates the conversations that we had earlier with mm -hmm. Ed Oliver, with Tremaine Edmonds, with Jordan Poor. It further complicates those things, especially when you just gave Dawson Knox $54 million. I actually think James Cook is going to be our starting back moving forward past this season. And the reason I think that it's going to work here in Buffalo is the fact that I don't think we'll ever require him to carry 20 times a game. Right now, even if he got even if he got the same touches that Devin Singletary is getting now, it works for his skill set. And that's really, let's be honest with you, that's nine carries and five catches right now. That's what Devin Singletary is pretty much getting the game. That works for Cook's skill set. And the reason I think that Cook is going to be a little bit more than what we think he's going to be is because of his brother, the training, the offseason training program they have. I think he's going to turn more into Dalvin than we think he is. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be the runner of Dalvin. Is Dalvin you know, just natural? They train with Devin Singletary down the line. Yes, they do. Dalvin, Devin, and James train together. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's ever going to be the back that his brother is. But I think he's going to be exactly the back that Buffalo wants on a rookie deal for the next three years. And I think Buffalo's plan is hopefully we can pair Zach Moss with him to be that change of pace back. But if you're not getting production, obviously it's going to be changed there. Um, personally, I don't know if Zach fix, fits here in Buffalo. Um, because like I said, I don't think he's a back that you can give it, that you could come in and give him four carries a game. And then expect him to be productive. I just don't see it. I don't see him as that type of back. I feel like everything has to be in rhythm with him. I think he's pretty much based off rhythm. If his rhythm is off, then all those nuanced, small nuances that you said James is a running back, they're not going to work. We got to remember, 
Zach has not played the running back position for a long time. He didn't grow up playing running back as a, even, even a lowly. Zach was a linebacker. He didn't even, matter of fact, to be honest with you, he didn't even know that he could even be picked up as a running back. I don't think he played running back to his junior high school. So this is a guy who really only been playing the position really for about what, five years now, six years going on now. And I'm not saying he can't pick it up, but I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to add everything into it, right? Um, plus, this is a guy where when you put Zach Moss in the football game, right, we all know where the damn ball's going. You know why he probably broke that 43 out of versus Miami? Because he broke that shit back outside. <laughs> and they said, uh-oh, he's not going in the A-gap. <laughs> What is what is he doing? You don't give him you don't give him any variety either. And honestly, I thought we would have more tosses. I thought we'd see more swings this year. And somehow, once again, we're not executing the running game. And that goes for the running backs, but it also goes for the offensive line. We're not pushing people back. When we're getting third and one or fourth and one, we're not pushing people. But let me let me let me bring this up too. You know how you get good in the running game? You practice it. And you practice it. We, we don't practice it. And you practice it. Mm-hmm. Why can't we practice it? Injuries right now. Yeah. You can't. You can't. It's not like the passing game where you mm-hmm. go out and throw the ball around. You need to be physical. You need to body on body and you need to get after it, right? You, you can't do that right now. You, you can't in practice. With the injuries that we have, so many people dinged up. Think about it. We had, what, four D tackles on the injury report last week. Right, mm-hmm. so the only way to get good in the running game is you going inside run period. It's, it's literally an inside run period where all you do is no receivers out there, receivers are in corners and safeties, mm-hmm. everybody down there. It's inside, you run the ball for 15 minutes, you run the ball in the inside run period. That's the only way you're going to get good at running the ball. And a lot of fans they don't understand this, they can't do that right now. They don't have the bodies to do that. How dumb would it be? If you look later and go, oh, um, these two guys got hurt today during the inside run period. How dumb would McDermott look? How dumb would he look? Let's be honest here. But when, the, but right now, you have an elite quarterback. You have some weapons out there, and you can pass the ball, and nobody really can stop it. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to pass the ball, and we're going to sprinkle some running in it. Why? Because we can't effectively work on the run game. A lot of people think you just go out there and just hand the ball off and say run. It doesn't work like that. Once again, this is not John Madden football. This is real life. You have to these. You have to run. You have as when I was in college, we were the top rushing team in the country. Why? We had two inside run periods a day in practice, and we were physical as hell, and we got after it. And that's because you got to practice it. You can't just give somebody a ball and say run. It's a, and you have to practice that. And right now, the Bills can't effectively practice that in practice with so many injured guys. It's just not smart. All right, before we get the final thoughts, so Sarah, do you got any, Sarah, do you have anything to add to this topic before you take off on it? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, before we get the final thoughts, um, James, I got one more question for you. If you could put a percentage on, how how what percentage do you think the Patriots and Ravens, potentially those two teams, have more reps than the Bills do at running at the running game in practice during the week? I mean, look at their coaches and look at their the coaches' personality. Right. What are you thinking? Give me a percentage. Well, how how would the, the percentage? How much more do you? How many more reps percent are they allocating to running the game reps than the Bills probably are in practice at this point in time? Oh, the Ravens probably sixty or seventy because their quarterback is 
such a huge part of the run game as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge, that's probably 60, 70. And the limit, how limited freaking the um, Patriots are, they probably have 50 to 60% more reps than the, than the Bills. Okay. I, but I also thought- in the passing game, that's why the Bills are elite passing because they practice passing more. You know how many teams in the league wish they could pass the ball like the Bills, though. Got it. I I just wanted to bring that. I, I thought that was I thought that was a good topic, and I'm glad that we actually touched on that. But uh, final thoughts before we move on. Um, and actually, before when you're in your final thoughts, I want you guys to give give me a projection of a Khalil Shakir stat line for this week. Sarah, final thoughts. You oh go first. God, it's his stat line. I don't think it's yeah. going to be anything huge because yeah. I feel that you know, um, between Gabe and and Stefan, they're going to have more of a game. But you know, I think he'll have probably three or four catches. You know. You know Somewhere 48, 50 yards, hopefully. Okay. Any final thoughts about this game coming up? Pittsburgh coming to town? Um, I'll, I'll just say that my prediction, and I, everyone thinks I'm nuts, but was 41-17. Um, and I'm going to stick with that. And I think uh, weather's supposed to be great. It's supposed to be 55 and sunny. I think Josh is, you know, over the last two weeks of uh, the weather being ridiculous. And I think he's going to go out and just – you know, be crazy. And I actually think our defense is going to probably uh, have a couple of interceptions again, um, you know, definitely against uh, Pickett. So that'll be fun. All right. James, final thoughts on the Khalil, Khalil Shakir stat line for the week uh, five? Sarah, I'm with you. I'm rolling with you, Sarah. Four catches, 46 yards. Okay. Two for first downs. <laughs> all right. All right. That's what I'm rolling with. Um, I think the bill, I think, uh, people think it's going to be a blowout, which I think it very well could get out of hand. But I think the Steelers, with Mike Tomlin, they're going to come in and fight more than what people are giving them credit for. Um, I think they'll fight hard initially, but then it's just going to get overwhelmed and it's going to be too much. Uh, I think, oh boy, they quarterback Pickett is going to throw about two or three t- uh, interceptions. So. I think that's what's really going to separate us. So I think the Bills, I'll say the Bills, 35 to 10. Okay, 35 to 10. That's cool. All right, I'm going to go with, uh, so if you're here, I'm going to go five catches, 60 yards. I think you have one for about 30 yards. I think that he'll get lost um, in coverage at some point. I, I think Josh is going to purposely target him because I think as, a, as he becomes more of a veteran quarterback, you purposely target certain people for different reasons. I think that they know they're going to need this kid going forward. You're going to purposely target them in a very winnable game, and you're going to build that confidence up, and you're going to build that rapport. So I'm going to think I'm going to say five for sixty for Shakir. If I have to give a stat line or, or game prediction, I'm going to say thirty-eight. I'm going to say thirty-eight to fourteen. I think we're all around that fourteen to seventeen point range. We don't see the Steelers getting more than three touchdowns, and honestly, the Bills owe them one from last year. So this is also a little bit of a wrench game. But other than that, I mean, guys, it was, it was a great show. As always, thank you, James. Thank you, Sarah. Um, dropping dimes, dropping knowledge, dropping viral picks. And we're, you know, and this, uh, you know, on, on this podcast, we don't just have inside knowledge from Mallory. We have celebrities. Yeah. You know what I mean? CBS. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You're cool. <laughs> we got bad taste. Hey, but no, we'll see you guys next week. I'm not sure what day. I got I got to check my work schedule. Probably Tuesday. But no, I, this was a great show, and I love doing it. Um, as always, Bills Mafia, thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't have any news or announcements. Nothing like that. Nothing going on. Um, no, I ain't, I ain't really got nothing. That's it. Pittsburgh week. 
Bills need to go win that game. I, I know it's something I'm forgetting, but I can't remember what it is. It is what it is. Anyway, thank you for going. Catch you guys later. Peace. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.